0: Hi, I'm Counter Dawn from Tampa, Florida, and you're listening to Counter Programming with Shira and Ariel. Hi and welcome to Counter Programming with Shira and Ariel. Counter Programming is the distraction cast of your dreams. In each episode, we bring you Counter Programming. Get it? We <laughs> focus on any <laughs> We focus on anything with count or counter in the title. We want you to stay engaged with the news, coronavirus, protests, the movement to abolish the police, but for those of us who can afford to and need to take a break, we offer you this podcast. If you're
1: new here, listen to this episode and then head on back to our past episodes. May we recommend that you check out our series on countertops? That is a superb place to start. Glasses up. (coughs) (laughs) Wink, (laughs) wink. It's time for our
0: Negroni episode. Cheers. What does this daytime drinking party of two have
1: to do with counter-programming? Well, you'll find out shortly. Counties, we would love to hear from you about the counter topics that you'd like for us to explore. You can send us an email at counterprogrammingshiraariel at gmail.com or slide on into those DMs on Instagram at counterprogrammingpod. We know you have a favorite counter. We just know it and we want to hear about it so that we can bring you an amazing episode on that counter. Before we jump on into our cocktail party, Arielle, how are you? Do you have a favorite cocktail? That is a great question. Since we decided to explore this topic, I've done a little bit of soul searching. You know, I'm going to be 28 in a few months. I have no favorite cocktail, and I just feel like when you're heading on into your late 20s, you're supposed to have a favorite cocktail. And my roommates say, you don't have to have one. You know, you can like wine. (laughs) You can, you, you know, if, if red wine is good for you, then that's fine. But I just feel like there's so many of those sitcoms, not even sitcoms, like Mad Men type shows that are like, hey, can I put a drink together? Can I mix you a drink? You know, and I want to have an answer to that. Madame, monsieur? Good evening. What would you like? I'm feeling a little homesick tonight.
0: I'll have a Moscow mule. So I feel like everyone wants to have like the drink when they go to a bar that someone's like, you're like, I'll just have the usual. And then they bring you like a fancy drink.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I would like to have an answer to that. So I am excited to explore today's episode. In researching, I came across some good options. So I'm pumped to share with our counties and to, of course, possibly receive some DMs from counties about their favorite drinks. Always love the DMs. Love the DMs. Shira, <laughs> how do you how are you doing? How do you do? I'm good.
0: I have some really exciting county news. Well, county related news. I got a step counter. Whee! Oh, it's uh, free. Yeah, it's it tracks everything, including my steps, my runs. It also tells me like when I'm stressed and about my sleep, which is fascinating. You wear it all night. Yeah. If you wear it all night, it'll tell you about your sleep. The government will know also. Yeah, I'm sure it's tracking it and sending it somewhere. But at this point, all of our information has definitely... Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's, it's too late for that. And I am seeing my two best friends, Zari and Zoe. I'm seeing them for the first time since March. And when we live in, like, during normal times during precedented times. Ah, uh, yeah. It's miss ya. <laughs> miss ya, precedented time. We see each other two to three times a week. And so it's insane that I have not seen them since March. So we're going to have a social distance outdoor hangout. Yeah. I mean, times still aren't normal, but it will definitely bring like a small feeling of, of what life once was.
1: <laughs> so true. So Counties, Shira just talked about a step counter, which is another plug for you to check out one of our past episodes. We did an episode kind of towards the beginning of this podcast, would you say? Um, yeah, I think it was out on, after the countertop series. Yes, I, it might've been the first one. Oh no, first we did the Count Dracula, then we did ah, yes, 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 step yes. counters, aka pedometers. So that's another episode for you to go check out, find out the history of pedometers, why we count our steps and um, all that. Yeah, very excited to move on to this counter episode, this count episode. And still the people don't know why Negronis. What is up with this drink? Okay, well,
0: this is a bit of a, it's a short story long um that I'm gonna tell. And so in April, county roommate Jenna and I decided that we were going to become cocktail connoisseurs and mixologists during quarantine.
1: Yeah. And we all had those things that we figured we were gonna become experts <laughs> in.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would not say we're um officially mixologists or anything, but we have improved. So we we even bought a bar cart, like we really committed. And the first drink we decided to attempt was a Negroni, and it was disgusting. I could not believe that it is, A, on menus and that people drink it. Yeah, like, we'll talk more about that later, but it was horrible. So then when I came out to visit my parents, County Dad and I, just, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, <laughs> is it too much?
1: No, never.
0: Well, County Dad and I decided that we would try to improve the Negroni with some different variations. And then with all the cocktail making happening around our house, County Brother, Ari, God. <laughs> found a video about pandemic era drinks. And it mentioned the Negroni because it, the Negroni was apparently, which we'll talk about later, invented during the Spanish flu. And he casually mentioned in conversation that it was invented by Count Negroni, Say what? which I obviously had that reaction and freaked out. And that's
1: why yeah, we're perfect. sipping on Negronis. I think when you found this out, did you FaceTime me? I know you called me and you were like, you'll never guess. And I was like, I- what? <laughs> what could it possibly be? <laughs> and you were like, a hundred years ago, a cocktail <laughs> was invented. Finally, <laughs> it worked out yeah. for us. <laughs> yeah, I
0: I was shocked, and my it was so funny because my brother I was like, "Oh my god, that's perfect!" And my brother didn't realize that my mom was like, "It's a count, it's a count." Wow! It was a whole family that's affair. County
1: mom. Yeah, I'm living with a lot of counties. Let me tell you, <laughs> Um, I have no prior experience with a Negroni. I've never had one. I, until literally yesterday, didn't know what it was made out of. My only experience even hearing the word was that my friend in LA, who is a few years older than me, was like, oh yeah, I have a favorite drink. It's a Negroni. And I was like, okay, so it's like that category of drink. It's somebody's It's a mature drink. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And now you telling me that it was tough to drink your first time backs that up. That it's bitter, kind of tough to swallow. So I'm very excited to learn from you what it's about and then to tell the counties and get their perspective on it as well. Yeah, I
0: would also like to clarify that I still find it hard to drink oh, and enough. that it is still bitter. And so I, we should have had your friend on here for an interview because I, I would love to know what about it makes this their favorite drink. Because to Honestly, me, it's so like drinking cough syrup.
1: Yeah, it might be just one of those things where people are like, I have a refined palate. <laughs> I like a Negroni. Well, I was thinking, I was like, I wonder if it's it's similar to
0: cilantro where certain palates you mm. cannot handle and it. peanut butter. Well, um, I watched the video that
1: you watched. Oh, good. Basically, Shira, would you like to tell them about this video? Sure.
0: It's from a YouTube account called How to Drink. And this particular video is called Drinks from the Spanish Flu. We'll obviously link in the show notes. And it's a... of a YouTube channel hosted by Greg. Honestly, I couldn't find his last name,
1: so we'll just call him Greg. Greg
0: Um, And he teaches people how to make all kinds of drinks and how to drink them. And he wasn't a bartender or anything before. He just was a guy who liked cocktails. And it seems like he also likes history. Yes. He's done a whole series on pandemic era cocktails and Yeah, very interesting. So before we dive into what Greg shared, Arielle, do you want to give the counties a definition of the Negroni and what spirits we're working with? Ooh, I'd love to. I have so much spirit. Yes, you do. (laughs) I have spirit. How about you? I've got spirit. Yes, I do. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Okay, well... (laughs) That was half-assed. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. It was the Negroni. Weak. <laughs> the Negroni is a popular Italian cocktail made of one part gin, one part vermouth Russo, which is a red semi-sweet, and one part Campari, and then garnished with an orange peel. It is considered an aperitif, which is a pre-dinner drink.
0: Which may explain what I've been doing wrong, because I've been having them with food, and I think it's too bitter to mix with any other flavor
1: probably knocks out the rest of the flavors yeah it's a well it's smart. interesting how our palates work there's this cereal that i really love yeah let me talk from a scientific perspective <laughs> on palates personally i can just speak to my own experience really I, I have this favorite cereal that i eat in the morning and it's amazing it doesn't have any chocolate in it but i swear i can taste notes of chocolate I don't know what that means. But then when I have it at night, I don't taste those notes of chocolate. How crazy is that? Maybe it's something that maybe you have chocolate flavored coffee. Maybe. Maybe right now. <laughs> notes of chocolate flavored coffee. That's notes possible. Notes of chocolate. Anyway, that was just my little dive into the scientific uh, palate discussion. All right. So let's let's now jump into the video that Greg posted. Greg with no last name. He's a drink expert. What did we learn from this video? Okay, so we clinked at the beginning of this episode. We did a cheers type thing. And that's our invitation for you. If you'd like to, to pause this episode, go get a drink, drink along with us, except if you're in the car. So we want you to know what happened as we made these drinks. So Shira, of course, has a Negroni by her side. I have a different drink because as some of the counties know, I am moving and I don't have a filled liquor cabinet in my house and I didn't find it worth it to go out and get three bottles that I would not use beyond this one drink. So I worked with what I had in my cabinet. So Shira and I separately recorded our experience making this drink. And what we're going to do now is play those videos for each other and for you, and then we're going to react to it. I'm ready okay hey counties i am heading on into my liquor cabinet to see if i have ingredients to make our signature cocktail for the for the episode the negroni i'm checking out what we have some old Jose Cuervo, some new Sky Vodka we thought that we would be drinking during quarantine, ended up not really doing that. Here's a wine bottle with cork inside the wine. That's nasty. I don't believe that I have Campari or Vermouth or anything, but I do have a nice bottle of Chardonnay that I may drink and pretend is our drink of the day. So here we are, Purple Moon Chardonnay 2018 from California. Let's do it. That's it. I couldn't find anything. <laughs> well, what? Let me see your. Let me see your glass. Here it is. It is a nice glass of California Chardonnay. Happy day to me. Happy Friday afternoon. And fun fact: this is from a brewery called the Lucky Town Brewery that used to exist in Jackson, Mississippi, where Shira and I. You didn't know. Wait, it closed. Yeah, it closed. <gasps> Don't cry. Oh, not now. That wasn't the news I needed today. So <laughs> oh, sorry. Let's play your video though. Okay, wow, that's upsetting.
0: Hey Counties, Shira here, making my Negroni in honor of Count Negroni. Um, I'm fortunate enough to be at my parents' house, so I have access to their liquor cabinet. I got my Campari, my sweet vermouth, and of course, my gin. And I even have a little shaker that I filled with ice. Okay, so I'm gonna do equal parts of all of these. Normally you're supposed to start with like the less important alcohol or like the chaser and stuff. So if you mess up, you don't waste alcohol, but the Negroni is all alcohol. So how do you choose? But I started with the vermouth. Then I'm gonna do some Campari. I'm doing one ounce of these cause it is only five o'clock. But I guess perfect time for five o'clock somewhere. Okay. And now we have the gin. Doo, doo, doo. Okay. Now time for my favorite part. Gotta make sure it's on tight so you don't spill. I've had that happen before. Okay, and now we shake. Okay, and now I'm gonna go grab a nice big ice cube from the freezer. And then we pour drink over that. Must be like some ASMR stuff. Okay. And there you have it. A Negronian. I'm ready to record with Ariel. Cheers. Wow. You have a career. Uh, You have a career. Do you think Greg will hire me if he needs an assistant? It would be rude if he didn't. I actually also have a cool cup. This was my great grandpa's and he was a liquor salesman and he actually was the first Jewish PBR salesman in
1: the U.S. Wow. Yeah, isn't that? I learned that fact two years ago. Wow. So, Shira, very fun to hear about the way that you created your Negroni. How does it taste?
0: Wow. it's still really bitter. This just, <laughs> this is never going to be my favorite cocktail. I'm more of a margarita girl, I would say. It just, it's not for me. I've actually been replacing the Campari with Aperol to make it a little bit sweeter. But mm-hmm. this one I used Campari because I wanted to be authentic for the counties. Yeah, for Greg. Um, and for Greg. And the, Greg, Aperol- hey. Aper- <laughs> the Aperol actually does really improve it. Um, My dad and I have also been experimenting with Mezcal. Ooh, interesting. Which gives it a nice flavor. But honestly, at that point, it's not the same drink. I'm
1: pretty sure. Right, 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 (laughs) right, Yeah. What I was going to do with my liquor cabinet was just put three alcohols together. That was going to be my way of bringing myself into this conversation. (laughs) But it's like, my options are old Jose Cuervo, as you know, wine with cork in the middle, or... I also found wine that had, like, mold in it. Mmm, yummy. So those were my options. I decided to go for a bottle of unopened wine. I think you made the right decision. Thank you. For sure. Should we dive into the history? Let's dive. Head on first. Head on in. And okay. also, let's say we are drinking while we Yeah, it, this. in case anyone gonna tell.
0: <laughs> it's like drunk history. Yay. Okay, so this is some of the information we learned about the Negroni from our friend Greg. Let's just go
1: bullet point, bullet point. I love that. You start. Okay. You guys, the Negroni was created at Cafe Cassoni in 1919 in Florence, Italy. Count
0: Camillo Negroni was friends with the bartender Forsco Scarselli, and the count asked forsco to make him
1: his normal drink but a bit stiffer stiffer and you're on a first name basis with Forsco obviously Forsco with Greg <laughs> I've never got a friend <laughs> the count's normal drink was an americano not the coffee version of it that was invented later I think in World War II which has sweet vermouth Campari and club soda with a lemon garnish but of course he walked in and he asked forsco make it a bit stiffer so bartender forsco
0: replaced the club soda in Wait, the Americano. bartender, County. County. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Probably. If he could hear it now, I think he would like the that, yeah. the show. So Forsco replaced the club soda in his Americano with gin, and thus the Negroni was born. The drink became popular around Italy after and- that. Count Negroni even started his own
1: distillery that bottled Negroni's, which is still open today. But Greg did point out that it was a bit suspicious that a distillery opened the same year as the magical myth that this is the way that the Negroni was created. So Greg's not totally sure that that is the way the Negroni was created, but he was also kind of like, you know... It's not on me to uncover the secrets of how the Negroni was created. It's on me to teach you how to make a good one. So we're not going to lose sleep over it. We we love a good story. We will link to that YouTube video in the show notes. Greg actually shares four different drinks. The first one is a grasshopper. And I learned something cool about the grasshopper, which is that there's almost no way to get green creme de menthe. Mm-hmm. Dement. I don't know how to say that. Um, so he just used a little bit of uh, green. What's it called? Food coloring.
0: Well, I the thing that I was most fascinated by. I can't remember if it was this pandemic video or the one about pandemic drinks that I watched before. But he found this drink that was actually used as a more of like a cure for oh, the flu. So it was like garlic and hot water and oh like, yeah. But it also had alcohol in it. I can't remember what alcohol was in it, but I just thought that was fascinating. What a good I medicine. Read-
1: I read something cool about, um, I'm reading a book right now on the Donner family. This is a bit of a tangent. Have you heard of the Donner family? I have not. I just heard about this. In the mid-1800s, a bunch of people were making their way out to California, even though it was a Mexican territory at the time, to settle and buy land, and eventually the gold rush would come, but they didn't know that at the time. They just thought it was a good opportunity. So the Donner Party was a bunch of people who were making their way from Illinois to California to settle, and on their way, they took what they thought was gonna be a good shortcut that would cut off 100-something miles from their journey, but instead, they got stuck in the mountains in the winter in California. And when they got stuck, they had to eat each other. Oh, yeah, no. so this is the story of uh, cannibalism in America. You may have heard of, like, this wow. as a I ha- Now that you're saying yeah. it, I kind of have.
0: Yeah. Um, so,
1: but, but, wha- but why I bring that up is because they were saying that there were so many different myths as to what could cure diseases back then. So one thing that old prairie type families would do is they would boil a quart of water into a cup because they thought it made the water more potent as water. And they would drink it as if it was medicine. They would just evaporate the water. Isn't that interesting and completely nonsense? That is wild. Um, it's like, we- let's just boil down the H2O
0: molecules. Cariel, that was a little um, far-fetched from our friend Count Negroni, so I'm going to dive back into him, if that's okay.
1: You're going to dive into him? Okay. Oh, I'm about to dive in. Well, you know what I
0: mean. So (laughs) on Gin Foundry, the website about gin, I found a little more information about our friend Count Negroni himself, and so Camillo, do you think? I think Camillo. You think Camillo, but it's two L's. I know, but it's not Spanish. I don't know. Okay, so Negroni was a real please character. Please in counties. Yes, please let us know. Um, he traveled around America while he was in his 20s and he lived like a cowboy. Yeah. He also lived in London, which could be why he liked gin so much um, since gin often comes from London. And maybe that's what even inspired the Negroni.
1: Cocktail historian David Wandrick found that Camillo Negroni was born on May 25th, 1868 to Enrico Negroni and Ada Savage Landor, and he died in Florence on September 25th, 1934. According to Gary Reagan's 176-page book all about the Negroni, that's a lot of pages dedicated to this drink. Insane. <laughs> Camillo's status as a count is questionable, but, but his grandfather, Luigi Negroni, was a count. So, I don't know, it sounds to me like he might have just been like, okay, my grandpa was a count, I'm a count. For our purposes, he's a Count. He's for sure a Count, just for like sure. you and I are. Exactly.
0: <laughs> so recently, there has been some heated controversy about whether Count Camillo was actually the inventor of the Negroni. Apparently, the Negroni family has invested a ton of resources to prove that there was never anyone in their family with that name.
1: Camillo? Yeah. Camillo? Camillo? which one (laughs) i think both oh my god why would they want to divest themselves from this legacy
0: so that they here's what they are claiming and this was on a website called the drinking cup i'm telling you once you start scouring the i mean it's not the dark web but like the dark web of cocktail connoisseurs it is actually insane like so many articles about this one drink and the history of it Anywho, the Negroni family claims that there is a different count, thank God, Pascal Olivier de Negroni. That's the one I saw on Wikipedia. Yes. So they claim, and there's a lot of research apparently to back this up, that Pascal Olivier actually invented the Negroni in the mid-1800s.
1: So that does not fit into our nice narrative of the quarantine story.
0: It doesn't fit into the quarantine story, but he's still a count. So for the podcast, it's fine.
1: Yeah, we're fine with it. And that guy, Pascal Olivier de Negroni, was born in the French region of Corsica, and he served in the military for 44 years. That's a career. That's That's longer than you served in the military. (laughs) Um, So during
0: the—I assume you saw this on Wikipedia as well—but during the Franco-Prussian War— He was stationed in the town of, I'm not going to pronounce this one correctly. Luneville. Luneville. And from there, he wrote a letter to his older brother in in the 1870s saying that the officers in Luneville loved his vermouth-based cocktail that he had invented in Senegal. And so a lot of people think the vermouth-based cocktail was actually the Negroni. And Mm. apparently, he had been stationed in Senegal like 20 years earlier, and that's where he got married to his wife and he had invented the drink for as a celebration for their wedding.
1: Whoa. So let me just get this straight. Greg says, the YouTube star says, that the Negroni was invented by Camillo Negroni, who was walking around Florence and he was like, I want the Americano, but stiffer. Well, and to clarify, a lot of people say that story.
0: Like that's the story about the Negroni distillery, I believe. And that's like the story told all around
1: Italy. But then the family, the Negroni family, says, nope, no Camillo. It was this other guy, and he invented it way before, mm-hmm. and he invented it to celebrate his marriage. Exactly. That is very interesting. And ultimately, does it matter?
0: We still got the drink.
1: Right. I think the
0: the Camillo story is a little cuter, some might say. He seems like more of a character.
1: Yeah. But, but I like that there's epistolary evidence that the other one exists. Well, there were a few letters. Like, all of the right. information on the drinking cup was based on
0: letters. There was letters to his brother. There was another letter that I guess he had written about the wedding where he talked about it. So their claim seems to be very valid. But I do think it, I mean, history from from those times, I feel like news traveled so much slower. It's not like today with social media, so it's hard to... And we still run into issues like that today with like right. people claiming credit for things. So
1: yeah, the thing is, there's no real reason to claim credit. It's not like they get credit <laughs> or royalty. It's not like they get royalties every time the drink is made. You know, so really, it's just for family tradition and legacy and things like that. Yeah, and I, I feel like they just want the accuracy, which I appreciate. Yeah, yeah fine, give me the accuracy. Shira, that was a really well-rounded lesson in history for me. I didn't know a lot about that. So thank you for doing all that research. And I just chimed in every once in a while. How are you enjoying your Negroni so far? <sighs> it's it's bitter. Let me take a sip. Has it gotten any better? Well, the ice is starting to melt a little.
0: So that's helping. Yeah, because it dilutes the entire thing. <laughs> it is diluting it. Um, do you see my big ice cube though? Oh yeah, sort yeah, of. My dad makes these big ice cubes because they're... I forgot what makes them better. It's like less melting. Well, Greg was doing that that too. Yeah, that's what us real cocktail connoisseurs do.
1: Tell me about your first Negroni.
0: Okay. Well, as I told you, County Jenna and I, we decided we were going to become cocktail experts. We made some Negronis. And that was right after. Do you remember when Stanley Tucci made a video about the Negroni that like blew up the internet? It was very clear that we were all stuck at home in quarantine. Yeah. And everyone was reposting the video. So I was like, oh, my God, what is all the hype around this? And as I mentioned, it tasted like cough syrup. So why do people pretend these things? I I really, that is something that blows my mind. But I put out a poll on Instagram when I made that to see if everyone else knew that it tasted like cough syrup. And 75% of the people who responded said yes. And the other 25 who said, no, I'm not sure if they were saying, no, I didn't know it tasted like cough syrup or no, you're wrong. It tastes good. Mm, Hard to say. Right. I mean, if it is the the latter, I'm more concerned. That (laughs) people just enjoy. That they think it tastes good. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Like, it's okay if you didn't know it tastes like cough syrup. Okay, Counties. We
1: hope you're enjoying your drink. I think we should do a little toast, Ariel. Yeah, I think a toast is definitely in order. We are recording this episode on June 19th, otherwise known as Juneteenth, and... That is a day of celebration in the USA. It's the day that in 1865, the last enslaved folks who were in Galveston, Texas, were freed from slavery. And um, since then, it has become a holiday across the United States, not necessarily in a national sense, but people recognize it all over. And today, especially in 2020, after weeks and weeks of protest and racial unrest and lots of other things going on in the country, it seems like more and more people are recognizing it. So we we wanted to do the same thing. We do recognize that, you know, we are white folks who are doing that. We want to acknowledge that, but also we would be remiss if we did not celebrate along with our Black friends.
0: Yeah. No, I think that is a perfect toast. And I hope that this toast is a symbol of freedom for everyone and working, and wor- working towards freedom for everyone.
1: Yeah. And just a commitment to the change that we hope we will continue to be a part of, and another reminder of the commitment that we've made to be allies and to be there for the fight by donating money, by reading books, by talking to our friends and family, and by celebrating along with our Black friends when there are positive moments to celebrate. So let's all raise a glass, and I wish I could clink with you. I know, I wish I could clink with you too. I'll just go. (laughs) <laughs> Daniel can make it seem like we clinked. so two counties and two celebration and happy Juneteenth it really is getting better as the ice melts maybe I just have to be more patient with it thank you all so much for tuning into the show today a reminder that we need your Apple podcast reviews it helps with the algorithm or something which means that more people can find us and listen to us be weird and talk about other counter-related content counter-related content. That's hard to say. <laughs> For each review we receive on Apple, we're donating $2 to the Equal Justice Initiative. If you've been thinking about leaving a review but haven't done it yet, now. Wait. Now. Now's the time. Go, go, go. <gasps> at the beginning of this episode, you heard from County Dawn, who introduced
0: the show. Hi, Dawn. Hi, Dawn. You can share your voice with the counter world, too. All you have to do is send us a voice clip to Ariel at gmail.com. Shira,
1: what should that voice clip sound like?
0: I thought you'd never ask. Hi, I'm Shira from New York, and you're listening to Counter
1: Programming with Shira and Ariel. Wow. It's so easy. It's so easy. Everyone can do it. (laughs) We will catch you back here next week as we dive into another count or counter related topic for counter programming. Any idea what we should talk about, Shira? Should we finally do Count Olaf, or are we over him? No, let's do Count Olaf. I don't
0: know. I, that was the only idea I have because I know we've kept the counties on their toes
1: fine, <laughs> count Olaf it is <laughs> let's Let's uh, let's do some thank yous thank you time Daniel Turek is our engineer, he crushes it week after week thank you Daniel, find his website at robotslap.com Jason Shaw is the composer of this
0: absolutely slapping theme song that you're listening to right now, it's called Tennessee
1: Hayride, thank you Jason thank you Jason cheers to you counties may you enjoy a negroni now that you have the history of it and we will see you next week cheers Ariel. cheers shira cheers counties bye